Well, tonight we, uh, we begin a new series on, uh, on intimacy with God. And as I was thinking about this, you know, I really only have one objective during this whole series, and, um, and that's to get you to stop believing that anything on this earth will bring you more pleasure than knowing God intimately and be so convinced of that that you pursue Him more than anything. You guys, I know that some of you guys, you come here tonight and you're hurting. You're going through some tough times in life and right now you think, you know what, my greatest desire is just to get rid of this pain. And I just want you to be open tonight to the possibility just the possibility that a relationship with God and knowing God intimately could be better than even getting rid of that pain. Some of you guys come here tonight and you've got so many problems from this week and so many things you're dealing with, and right now you come here tonight and your greatest desire, you would say, is I just, I, I've just got to fix this problem. This, this one area of my life has to change. And I'm saying, gosh, would you just be open to the possibility that it's not just about that problem? that knowing God more intimately could be even greater than fixing that problem. See, and, and some of you, I know you come here tonight and you're struggling with temptation. And, and you know there's some things that you've fallen into and you know, you know it goes against everything that God wants for you, but you love it so much, you want it so much, and even this week as it's coming up, you, you're already planning, even though you're at church this weekend, you're already planning to diving right back into your sin this next week. And I'm just asking you to consider the possibility that intimacy with God will bring you more pleasure than that sin that you're involved in. And I know right now you can't see it. You're thinking, oh, you don't know how much pleasure I'm getting from this. I'm addicted to it. It's everything to me. And I'm just saying, no, you don't understand. Intimacy with God, knowing this God is better. Man, and my prayer is that maybe even after this one message, you'll believe that there's nothing on this earth that will bring you more personal satisfaction and pleasure than knowing your God intimately. And some of you guys think, well, how does that, how does that help? How is that going to help my problem? If my problem doesn't change or if my hurt doesn't go away, how does a relationship help me? And I'm saying a relationship changes everything. A good, right relationship really changes everything. Even if the situations remain the same, it changes everything. I, I mean, I think about my relationship with my wife, and I think, you know what? I'd rather be in Hemet with my wife than Hawaii by myself. You know, it's in the same way, I go, you know what, I'd rather be in trials and difficult times with Jesus than have all this wealth and health and, and, and comfort apart from Him. See, there's something about this relationship that can be so great that you go, you know what, I'd rather be with Him than, than anywhere else. And nothing else matters to me. Nothing else compares to knowing Jesus. You know, I, I, I think sometimes we... We forget how good we have it in life. You know? You know why? Because in our world, we are programmed to think about what we don't have. Every time you turn on the TV, they market what you don't have so that you covet and you desire. And they want to, everybody wants us to focus on what we don't have and to strive after those things. Well, the Bible calls that coveting, saying don't desire, don't desire more. Recognize what you have, what God has given you. It's just that so often we don't recognize how good we have it. You know, um, 
it's funny, you know, I, I shared last week about my high school reunion, and I, I can't tell you how many times people came to me at, a, at my 20-year reunion, and they'd look at my wife and go, she's hot, you know, and, uh, and I, I even remember uh, this one girl just stared, just with her mouth open, going, that's your wife? You know, and, uh, and, and I go, yeah, you know, it's my little baby. She goes, she just had a baby. I go, yeah. You know, and her jaw was just like, I remember the girls you dated in high school. What are you doing with her? You know, what, what is this? How did this happen? And it was funny because it happened so often. I started to, it's almost like when someone else points it out to you, you go, yeah, I do have it pretty good. And you know what it made me do this week, which I've never done before, I just thought, man, people were so shocked. It surprised me. And I thought, you know what? I just want to look at a picture of her and I objectively. I, I'd never done this in my life. But I, I just thought, okay, if I were just a stranger and I saw this couple and I'd look at them, would I be shocked? <laughs> I, I have a, I, some of you guys don't know my, my family. This is my family. All right, so there, there's, we just took that like a week ago. Um, how many think my wife looks better than I do? <laughs> you guys want to think about it for a while first? Okay, but, but okay, you can turn it off. But, but the, whole, the whole thought was, it's weird how I started to look because everyone started telling me how much we didn't belong together. And I'm going, wow, you're right, she's beautiful. And, and sometimes, you know, someone becomes common to you, you see them all the time, and then you just stop. And as everyone else tells you how great she is, you're reminded and you go, oh, yeah, that's amazing how, how good I have it. And, and you see, I, I guess that's what I'm hoping this series will do for you. As I tell you about how good you have it in this relationship with God, because I look at who God is, and then I look at you, <laughs> and I go, you guys are together? You know? I, I mean, that's right. I mean, I, I look at myself, and I'm going... Man, after all the junk that I've done in my life, all the evil, all the wickedness, all the cruel acts of my life, and then to think that I am matched up and I have a relationship with this holy, beautiful, perfect God, and He calls me His child, He calls me His bride, and you just go, wow, that doesn't go together at all. And, and, and sometimes we can start looking at all these things we don't have and we don't stop and realize I've got everything. I've got everything. I, I'm connected with God. We are the bride of Christ. We are His children. He calls us His friends. And you just stop and you think, friendship with God, intimacy with God. Look, I know there are problems. I know there are things we're going through. But think about the fact that you're with God right now. God, the Creator that we just sang about, loved you so much. He loved you so much. Think about the things you've done in life. Think about the ways that you've offended Him. And the Bible says that He loved you so much that He would watch His Son die, suffer on a cross for you, paying the penalty for all of your crimes, just because He wanted a relationship with you so badly. So you could know Him, so you could have peace with Him. And, it, and, and so now suddenly you are in this union with God. Many of you have been baptized. It's like a marriage ceremony where, where you're dying to your old self. And you're coming up and you're joining yourself with Christ. You're probably going, gosh, He and I are together now. Forever. 
forever. And we forget that. And, and sometimes we take our eyes off of that and, and we start looking at other things. I, it's like this disease that we have, you know, to look at what we don't have. I, I can't tell you how many people have come into my office where they cheated on their spouse, men and women, come in having cheated on their spouse, destroyed their marriage, everything falls apart, then they come back in my office and they go, what did I do? I didn't realize how good I had it. Man, I don't even know why I went with her. I mean, I love my wife, I love my family, and I gave it all up because I took my eyes off her for a second and I, I just, someone else looked appealing and I ruined it, I wasted everything. Man, how many times have I heard that story where someone just forgot how good they had it and moved on, thought they found something better, and they just, they just lost it. And in the same way, if, if I've heard that a dozen times, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people talk about how they forgot how good it was to be with God and they, they found some sin or something that looked so appealing and they went after it, this relationship, this addiction, and it just brought them to misery and they go, gosh... Why did I go down that route? I forgot how good it was to be intimate with God. I forgot about how when I was younger and, and God and I were so tight and life was so good and I started going this other direction. I don't know why I did it. I ruined it. I wasted it. I, I wasted all those years away from God. And how often they come back and go, man, there's no better place to be than just walking hand in hand with my Creator. God and I are together doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense. You know, I, I think if we're all honest, we all struggle with this, right? Every once in a while, the other side looks appealing, right? Come on, let's get real. There are times when that temptation out there, and you just go, gosh, I could just live for myself, do whatever I feel, whatever I want, just kind of walk away from God and everything else and just enjoy myself, just live for me and pleasure and everything else. And you look at all the world has to offer and there are times when it's tempting. And, and you know, this, this psalmist that, that we're going to study today in, in Psalm 73, he was so honest about his feelings. And he explains, you know, which a lot of times in church we're not. A lot of times we can come to church and we can fake and pretend, oh, I don't have any temptation. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a holy man. I'm a man of the cloth up here. You know, I have no temptation. And yet the psalmist goes, oh, man, do you know how tempted I've been? And, and, and he talks about how he actually envied the wicked. That he allowed himself to just go, ooh, that looks good. That looks fun. He says in Psalm 73, verse 1, he says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So this guy goes, hey, Shirley, he's talking to this girl named Shirley, and he goes, Shirley, I know, I'm just kidding, Shirley... God is good to Israel. He goes, I know, I know that God is good to, to his people, to the people following. He goes, I know that in my head, right? We all know that, right? God is good to us, and we all know that, that God can do nothing but good to us and for us. We're his children, we're his bride, we're his friends. It's like, okay, I know. Everything he brings my way, he's going to use for the good. I know he's good to me. He goes, but, he goes, I almost blew it. 
He goes, I, my, he goes, my feet almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold in this thing of following God. I almost went the whole other direction. He says, because I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You ever see the wicked people prosper? And doesn't that bug you? You know? And, and, and the word for prosperity here is the word shalom. You know? Which in Hebrew, it just meant everything's good. And sometimes you look at the most wicked people on the earth and they sit back with this smirk and this pleasure and this comfort and you just go, that makes me sick. I can't even tell you times when you know when you even pray like, God, why would you let him live that way? This guy mocks you, he's blatantly against you and you're going to bless him with all his material wealth, his health and everything else? See, the psalmist goes, man, I know God's good to me. He goes, but man, sometimes I would look at these wicked, wicked people with envy because I'd look at their prosperity. I'm going, why am I following God? Look what this guy's doing. And things are working out pretty good for him. I saw the shalom, the peace, the everything's good attitude, like everything in their life is working out perfectly, and they're wicked. He goes, I almost ditched my faith because of that. He goes on in verse 4, he says, they don't have any struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. And therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, their tongues take possession of the earth, and therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. And they say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? He's saying, look at the wicked people on the earth. Doesn't it seem like some of the richest, you know, most arrogant people have no struggles? And they're healthy. They're wealthy. They're strong. He says they have literally no struggles. Um, and, and it's different how you translate this. Either no struggles in their death or no struggles till their death. It's like, you know, you would think that maybe they would die in a terrible way, you know, or, or that terrible things would happen all the way up to their death. But it seems like, no, that guy died peacefully. He was wicked. Haven't you seen like, like, like people that are going to be lethally injected, mass murderers, and they just have this smirk, and they just kind of grin as they're going to die, and you go, what is that? Seems like that guy's in perfect peace. He's a murderer. He goes, what is going on here? And he talks about how they're, they're, they're arrogant, and uh, you look at that, and then, then you look at the opposite. Like, like last weekend, Last weekend when I was preaching here, I have this friend, his name's Logan, Logan Walters, and he leads worship at this church in, in Texas, in Waco, Texas. And uh, he's leading worship, his big church, you know, about our size, you know, they have like a thousand people at a service. Last Sunday morning, he's leading worship. The pastor, 33 years old, comes up here, gets in the baptismal tank, there's a little bigger, everything's bigger in Texas. And, uh, you know, and so he's in the water, you know, when someone's coming down to get baptized, he grabs the microphone, electrocutes himself, and dies in front of the whole church. And then you, you, you read about all these wicked, evil people 
and they're perfectly healthy. Nothing's wrong with them. Then you've got a pastor getting ready to baptize and adjust the mic and somehow gets electrocuted and dies? You have to look at that stuff and go, what in the world? How can that be? This doesn't make any sense that you've got these wicked people so healthy, so prosperous, and then you have men and women of God who are suffering and going through this hard time. And, and, and he talks about how you know, their mouths lay claim to heaven or they set their mouths against heaven. He goes, there are people who just curse God. There are people who live any way that they want, and then at the end they go, oh, but I know I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. And they just talk about that, and it talks about how, you know, they, they just lay claim to everything on earth. They, they just say whatever they want. And you'd think that God would judge them. And He doesn't. And so they walk around going, hey, does your God hear me? And they mock Him, and nothing happens to Him. And so this guy's going, you know what? This is driving me crazy. God, do something. In verse 12, he says, this is what the wicked are like. He goes, here's how I saw the wicked. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. <laughs> they don't care about anything. They don't care about morality. They don't care about whatever. And it seems like they keep getting richer. That's my view of the wicked, he says. And, and this is a stumbling block for so many people. I mean, how many times have I heard, if there were a God, then Why? You explain why. Why are six million kids dying every year? In that video we saw. If there's a God, why are some of the most wicked, blasphemous people still alive then? Mocking God, yet they're rich and healthy, and they seem like they've got no care whatsoever. In verse 13, he says, Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. In vain, I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said thus, if I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. Okay, so first he says, he goes, you know what then? So it's in vain that I kept my heart pure. He goes, why, why, why live a pure life? I live a pure life and I'm suffering right now. This guy lives a wicked life and everything's going well. This makes no sense. I just wasted my life. He goes, in vain I, I've washed my hands and I try to stay pure and I try to wash my hands, you know, get, ask for forgiveness, everything else. This was all a waste, he says. He goes, because I've been plagued. I go through pain. I go through trial and yet I'm following God. But he makes a statement in verse and he goes, if I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. Very important verse. He says, this is how I felt. These were the thoughts that were running through my head. He says, if I had spoken up, he goes, imagine if I just, what if I came here tonight and I ended the sermon right there? He's going, this is stupid. You know, man, I, you know how hard my week was, you know, and I'm a pastor and I'm trying to live for God, you know, and, and just ranting and raving and sharing all these thoughts with people. He goes, if I had spoken because he was a leader, people followed him, people listened and read his psalms. He goes, if I had spoken that, at that moment, he goes, I would have betrayed your children. You see, he's saying, if I spoke that, imagine how I would have discouraged so many people. I would have ruined so many people. 
I would have betrayed your children. I would have made them feel bad about their lives if I just laid out all of that. See, the psalmist had a wisdom of keeping his mouth shut. When he was processing through something, he had a wisdom of keeping his mouth shut. You know, a lot of times we don't have that wisdom. A lot of times we get angry, you get frustrated with God, you just go, oh, I just want to think out loud right now. Let me just throw it out to a bunch of people because I'm frustrated with God and you just kind of lay it out before all these people. Then other people say, yeah, you know what? I don't get it either. And you go on and on and on. And he says, see, if I had spoken up at that moment, he says, I would have betrayed your children. I would have taken them in the wrong direction. You guys, it's so important that we have wisdom of knowing when to be quiet. You know, the psalmist had this internal struggle and because he kept it internally, kept it between he and God, it only affected him and God. If he had opened his mouth, it would have affected everyone else. Then later on, you'll see he gets things right with God, but what happens to everyone else who heard what he said? Many of them would have been gone. You know, I, I meet people every once in a while who are processing through and, you know, questioning, you know, beliefs, and, and, and they'll just start blabbing all these new things and, and discouraging other people, and you're going, you don't even know what you believe yet. You know, but they don't have the wisdom to keep their mouths shut. It's a good thing the psalmist did. He kept his mouth shut so it didn't affect everyone else around him. In verse 16, I love this. When I tried to understand all of this, it was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. He says, okay, when I tried to understand this, when I tried to figure out what's going on in the world, he says, it was oppressive. He goes, it was burdensome to me. He goes, it was bugging me so bad. He goes, until I entered the sanctuary of God. He goes, this was all bothering me. Then I came into the presence of God. I came into His throne room and I looked at the world and everything from His perspective. He goes, then suddenly everything changed. Suddenly when I'm sitting with God in heaven and looking at the earth and looking at all these issues, then I realize, you know what? He, he says, you place them on slippery ground. You're going to cast them down to ruin. He goes, suddenly it's going to be over. Suddenly their lives are going to be over. Suddenly will come the punishment. Everything will fall apart. He goes, and I didn't see it. I didn't see the eternal perspective until I came into the presence of God. Until I came to the sanctuary of God and I looked down and go, oh, so that's how you made this world. And people have choices. People choose evil. And at the end, you know, everything's going to be made clear. And all the false motives, all the wickedness is going to be exposed. And, and so while they think that they're solid, and maybe they make it all the way through life on earth, feeling this, this false sense of peace, he goes, you know what? In a second, when they stand before you, God, it's going to be so different. But I love the way he says, I, it was so oppressive until I entered the sanctuary of God. Until I came into God's sanctuary and looked at things from his perspective. You see, I have this, um, I have this little wooden carving 
on my uh, bookshelf that someone gave me years ago that says, prayer changes things. We've all heard that phrase, prayer changes things. And he gave that to me because, you know, he was going through a difficult time and came in and asked for prayer and, and we prayed and it was amazing how quickly everything changed. I mean, he came in just blown away like, this is unreal. Everything turned around and he gave me this thing and I put it on my bookcase. And, and over the years, I, I realized how true that statement is that prayer changes things. But the thing I've noticed over the years that the thing that prayer changes most is us. You know, when we come into the presence of God and we, we, we actually pray and we actually talk to Him and we're actually with Him, intimate with the Creator and speaking to Him and you suddenly look at everything from His perspective, suddenly you go, oh, from up here in heaven, that problem doesn't seem so big. From up here, all the things I used to think were so wonderful down on the earth, they're not so wonderful Things that I thought were so bad, they, they're suddenly not so bad. As I look from his perspective, as I enter into his sanctuary and look at what life is all about, he goes, then everything started making sense to me from an eternal perspective. And he says, you know, he goes, he goes my, I was grieved and my spirit was embittered. He says, you know, my heart was in so much pain and, and in my spirit I was angry. He, he calls himself senseless and ignorant. He says, I was like a brute beast. Because you know what? I was saying a lot of things to you, God, that I just kind of out of control. I just lost it. You ever done that? Just like, God, I didn't mean to question you. I said some stupid, stupid things. My, my heart was grieved. My spirit was embittered. Man, I've had to say that to God before. You know what, God? I admit it. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I, you know, you, you look back in life sometimes at things that you got angry about, and later on in life you go, wow. Why was I mad at God for that? That ended up working out to be the best thing in my life. That's actually what brought me close to him. And years later, you look back and go, God, I am so sorry. I was just dumb. Some of my biggest regrets in life are not just the sins that I committed against other people, but it's uh, the words that I had with God where I was just out of control. I was in a fit of rage and, you know, just mad because the way things happened and I questioned him. You look back and you go, God, I was, I was acting like a fool questioning you. And then he says, he goes, verse 23, yet, you know, even though I was a brute beast before you, yet I'm always with you and you hold me by my right hand. He goes, God, even when I was a jerk, even when I was out of control, questioning everything about you, your whole character, you just stood there holding my hand, didn't you? You still loved me. Verse 24, this is where it gets so beautiful. He goes, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you, but as for me, it's good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all of your deeds. At the end, he, he just goes, you know, I, when all that stuff was going on, you were still holding me, and then you, you guide me with your counsel, and he goes, and one day, you're going to take me into your glory? You're going to take me into a place where there really is a true paradise and no more pain, no more hurt, any of that. You're going to take me there. And he finally goes, you know what? What do I have in heaven but you? 
He goes, I just cannot wait to be with you, God. Remember a couple of weeks ago I asked, you know, what if you could have heaven with, with all of the pleasures of the earth and, and all the natural beauties and no sickness, no pain, no death, no conflict, all of your friends, but you didn't have Jesus, would you be content? And asking, do you really love Jesus or do you just love all the things he could provide for you? See, the psalmist here, he goes, whom have I in heaven but you? You know, a lot of times we go, gosh, I can't wait to get to heaven because I, I, want, I want to see my dad, I want to see my mom, I want to see this person, I want to see that person. And that's all good, but you know what? Is there a greater passion to see God? This psalmist goes, gosh, you know what I'm looking forward to in heaven? You. Just being with you. Seeing you face to face. And he says, in earth... Has, has nothing I desire besides you. Can you say that? Are you at a point in your life where you could say these words? You know what? This earth, this planet really has nothing I desire except for you, God. You love them that much? See, others may have wealth, health, youth, whatever. But do you look at all that and go, who cares? I've got God. I mean, and what else do I really want out of this earth? Are you still looking at other things on this earth and they're still looking so appealing to you? You're still coveting and wanting them? Or do you just go, God, you know what? Yeah, every once in a while I get caught up in these little rabbit trails, but ultimately, what am I really after? It's just you. There's nothing on this earth worth living for but you. There's nothing I want in heaven except for you. I just want you. I mean, think about it. If you could switch places with, with a, a Bill Gates or a, a Tiger Woods, would you? I mean, it's, it's not even a thought to me. It's like compared to knowing God... And being intimate with my Creator. And some of you guys go, well, yeah, I would say that too, but can't we have both? You know? Can I have all the, you know, can I have all the riches and all the health and God? And, and I would have to say to you, if that's the question you're asking, you don't know God like you should. Because the whole idea of knowing God is you get to a point where like Psalm 23, the psalmist goes, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. God, God's my shepherd. What else, what else can I want? Why would I desire anything? He leads, leads me to still waters. He, he takes care of me. His rod, his staff, they protect me. I've got everything. I've got Him. This is so good. God and I, and we can take on the world. It's the same thing the psalmist is saying. He goes, what else do I want on the earth? He goes, there's nothing on this earth I desire except for you, God. There's nothing in heaven I desire except for you. It's this relationship with God where he goes, you're, you're everything to me. This other stuff really doesn't matter. It's not about, okay, I want God and health and riches and a great... It's like, you wouldn't even think that if you really saw how beautiful your God was. You really understood how good you have it. You know, you go, well, it's not adding a whole lot to say God and riches. Just God. It's like if I asked you, hey, 
would you like me to give you a billion dollars or a billion and one dollars? Go on, care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really make that big a difference. The same way, it's like, man, do you, you want a relationship with God or you want a relationship with God and all the riches? It, it should be, I don't really care. It's like God is everything. There's nothing on earth I want but Him. And heaven is nothing I desire but Him. And, and I love that last phrase. You know, verse 28, but as for me, it's good to be near God. You know, other people, you know, people sometimes accuse me and say, oh, Francis, you're against those who want this and want that, or, you know, you're anti-riches, anti-this or that. You guys, I'm not against all that stuff. I'm just going, there's something so much better. And you can pursue anything you want on this earth. Pursue all the success you want. Pursue, buy anything you want. I'm just saying, as for me, it's just good to be near God. That's all I need. That's what the psalmist is saying. He goes, everyone else can have everything else, but as for me, I've got God, and it's just good to be near Him. It's so good to be near Him. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. There's nothing else on earth I really desire. I'm so content with Him. And, and I know that some of you guys go, man, I, I'm not there. How do I get there, right? I... I, I I still long for other things. I want things fixed. I want this. I want that. Jesus hasn't been enough for me. And let me just say this. You know, it's so hard because in order to love, we're so wicked. We can't love on our own power. We can't love God. We can't love people. Not truly love them. I'll go days without loving a single individual. (laughs) Weeks, you know, just thinking about myself because that's just the kind of person I am. Self-centered, selfish, you know, just think about myself a lot. And I really have to pray and beg God every morning, say, God, help me to love people. That's not natural to me. Help me to love you. There's days I wake up and I think, man, all I think about is playing Man, I could call today. I could surf today. I could do this. I get all these desires, all these wants. And I go, God, I'm not even thinking about you. Like, you're not even on that list anywhere. It's not appealing right now. And there's times I just have to be honest with God and confess that to Him and say to Him, in my mind, I know you're the best. But right now, I'm not feeling it. And it's okay to be honest with God. And what are you going to do? Lie? You know? <laughs> Oh, I really do desire you, you know. (laughs) But just to tell him, to say, no, God, you know what? I know you're the greatest, greatest thing I can experience on this earth is intimacy with you. And right now I'm just desiring too many other things. There's a great verse in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. It says this, God says to the people of Israel, the Lord your God The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and live. Who has to change your heart? God has to. It's not something you do by your own power where you're just good enough to love God by your own power. You know, even God Himself says, you know what, it's it's God who's going to do that. He's going to change your hearts. He's going to change the hearts of your descendants so that they will love Him with all of their hearts. And you guys, that's what I have to pray. 
God, change me because my love for you isn't that strong and I need you in order to love you. I need your power in order to love you. It's the craziest thing. You would think that I, in my own flesh, could muster up enough love for you, but I'm that wicked, God. And it's your spirit, it's your love, it's you that I depend on. And I know that's the weirdest thing in the world for some of you to grasp, but the greatest thing you could do during this time of worship is to come before God and say, God, would you change my heart? Because there's things in this world right now that I'm desiring, and some of them aren't good. And I'm starting to believe that that'll bring me more pleasure than you. I'm just like this psalmist sometimes, where I'm envying the wicked, and I'm ready to slip, I'm ready to fall, I'm ready to lose it, even though in my head I know you're good. And I know there's nothing on earth I want but you, and that would bring me ultimate pleasure. Just be honest with God tonight. Just be like the psalmist. Don't give the church answer. Oh, that's not me. I never struggle with sin. I'm not tempted. Just lay it out. Say, God, I'm sick. I've been longing for this and that, whether it's material possession, success, sin. Just go, God, I hate it. Why am I like this? Change me. Change me over this next month. Change me over this next week to where I can say with the psalmist, you're my shepherd. I don't need anything else. I don't want anything else. As for me, it's just good to be near the Lord.